either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Well, we have quantity this week. Do we have quality? You know, we do, but it might be not the ones you're thinking of. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from madwolf.com. Let's start out with gratuitous will-on-will action as an over-the-hill <laughs> hitman faces off against a younger clone of himself. It's Gemini Man. Tell me something. Why is it so hard for you to kill this man? He knew every move of mine before I made it. I'd have him right there to take the shot. I want to be forever young. And he'd be gone like a ghost. Do you really want to live forever? Who is he? I think I know why he's as good as you. He is you. Well, we've seen the trailers. We're assuming that we've all seen the trailers. So that sets the gimmick right away. You've got a real dependence on this de-aging type of computer effect or however they get it done uh, that we've seen mainly in supporting roles up until now. And it has been various levels of impressive. Mm -hmm. And now they take it right to the forefront because the character of the younger uh, Henry, is his name, that Will Smith plays, is not the lead, but it's right there. It's secondary. And it's the story of an aging hitman. What? Henry, played by Will Smith, and he wants to retire. He should know you can't do that. Has he ever seen a spy movie? Right. Not going to retire. Not going to let you retire. And so one thing leads to another, and he's got, he ends up having uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, a younger agent who's been assigned to kind of tail him. Well, he snuffs that out right away. You've been burnt. You've been burnt. And then before you know it, the two of them are off running for their lives trying to figure out, all right, who, who's trying to have them killed, and why does this one really good hitman look exactly like Henry, Will Smith, and then they find it out as the uh, trailer even gives away that he's a clone, which I was trying to, actually, when I was doing the review, I was trying not to say that, but then you're like, well, the trailer says it. And right. Like, oh. Well, the IMDb description says yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, which I just read. Yeah, so I would kind of try to keep that under wraps, but all right, maybe not. So he's a young clone. So then that brings up all sorts of, you know, ethical questions to throw in with the, the daddy issues and um, the other just weak moralities that's going on with this movie because it's director Ang Lee who's right. won two Oscars. Yeah. Okay. And he one of them was for Life of Pi, which was just bursting with visual wonder. Yeah, Life of Pi, y- you watch that movie. I don't love that movie, but uh, I-, I gotta say, you watch that movie and think to yourself, there's a tiger in this you boat. You do. <laughs> you do. <laughs> it looked fantastic. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. I'm with you. I don't love it either. But, uh, man, you think if there's someone who can put this new technology to use, yeah. based on that alone, it's going to be Ang Lee. And, and I get it. We've been moving to this point now for a while. I've, the, the one point that I've made um, in my written review and, and on TV this morning 
was that you go back to a movie that hardly anybody saw six years ago called The Congress. Right. And one of the many things going on in that crazy sci-fi movie was that Robin Wright played herself. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, she was no longer going to act. She just sold her rights. And they were reproduced. Yeah. In, in any, the, any the, her likeness. And right. they could just they could make her young, they exactly. could make her old, they just kept reusing her yeah. Right. So six years ago that was crazy sci fi. And we have we just get moving closer and closer. There's no reason to think we're not gonna get there. Sure. We'll get there eventually. Um it just keeps getting better and better. And the thing about it here, this is the main gimmick of this movie, and sometimes it does look really good. But not all the time. No. Uh, sometimes it's very clear. Um that it's that sort of a creation. Yeah. Um, other times, yeah, it does look like a person. And so that just lets me know that, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting there. Sooner or later, we're getting there. And we've seen it again. We've seen it in, in lesser uh, supporting roles, just little bits here mm-hmm. and there, like Sam Jackson in uh, Captain Marvel and mm-hmm. things like that, mm-hmm. where you look, man, you know, that's, that's a good job. We just see it in a scene or two. But here it's got to hold together for the length of the movie and especially around the mouth and that always makes me think of superman uh, superman and the mustache it's it's so hard with the mouth that is the final frontier of this effect i guess to get that right once they get that although you mentioned the eyes in, yeah, in this movie there are too many times when you know they show the the actual flesh and blood will smith and and he's looking at something that makes sense and then they show the fake will smith and you're like where are his eyes directed? They're not directed at anything because it's not even, uh, you know, if it were the de-aging, then you'd have an, an actual person and mm-hmm. all you would do is make him younger. But this was a motion capture. And that has worked really well in certain films, but it's been, you know, it's, it's been an ape or it's been Gollum mm-hmm. or it's been, uh, and in this case, I just, yeah, I think they... Was it totally motion capture? I think it was a mixture. I'm, I'm not quite sure yeah. about all the uh, technology of yeah. it, but... But you know what? One of the things that you were saying earlier that I think is true when you and I were talking about this is you have to like if you can separate that the gimmick. Right. Does the story hold up? Right. No, no, it it doesn't. doesn't. It's not a story we're telling. No, it's just chock full of standard issue spy slash black ops dialogue. Um, It's such a slog and it doesn't really hold your interest. There's certainly a lot of talent here. Not only Ang Lee and Wilson, Will Smith, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She's always so she, good. She is. And but there's just yeah, that you can't see any reason what really what got this movie made no. except the fact that we can do this with Will Smith mm-hmm. and try to take this uh technology to the next level. Other than that, it's just it's one of those where I was checking my I was going to say watch, but I don't have a watch. I checked my phone for the time. Yeah. Uh, and it just, you know, oh, only an hour has gone by. It's such a slog full of uh, warmed over ideas that we've seen very often and in a lot of better movies. I mean, you can still make good spy type black ops oh, sure, type movies, yeah. but it's it, it just seems like that was secondary. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we've got this. Yeah. We're going to make this actor, whoever it might have been, in this case, Will Smith, we're going to make him younger. And that's the hook. And then just fill it in, fill in the holes right. with whatever. Yeah. And it just really, it really seems that way, mm-hmm. especially when, as you pointed out, the the effect of the younger Will Smith doesn't always look as amazing as maybe they think it no, does. No, And then you get to the very end, and it's funny because you said it, <laughs> you said it without even speaking to me, and the last word I wrote down in my notebook was 
tidy. Oh, the yeah. end is so tidy. You've got all these things uh, hanging about. What about this? What about this? And they just, oh, well, that, blah, 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 and yeah. this, and then, and then he gonna, did this. We're just going to put a guy at a bar, and he's going to explain how all of that has been resolved, <laughs> yeah. you oh. know, without our witnessing it. Oh, good. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's like in the old Batman TV series when <laughs> whatever he had, he had something on his belt for it. Right. We'll just get out of it that way. So, yeah, the whole thing just, uh, boy, it just seemed like an excuse to use this technology without having the story first. And yes. it becomes a, a big, a big disappointment for Gemini Man. Let's get animated next. Animated version of Charles Adams' series of cartoons about a peculiar ghoulish family. Just in time for Halloween with the family. It's the Adams family. It's all so different. Welcome to the neighborhood. What an interesting home. Fire in the hole. <clears throat> you sunk my battleship. Yes. These people are monsters. They'll ruin the neighborhood. Hey, neighbors. What I do? Deep down, we're all the same. Let's show them what it means to be an Adams. We've been looking forward to this one. You especially. I know you love you some Adams family. Oh, I do. You just look at the voice cast alone. <gasps> it's insane. It's just chock full. Chock full of talent. But what we've said many times that just because you're a great actor doesn't mean that will translate to voice acting. It's a totally different thing. But still, you've got so much talent here. It's a lot to get excited about. It is. Uh, Charlize Theron, Oscar Isaac, Chloe Grace Barretts, Finn Wolfhard, Bette Midler. Allison Janney. Allison Janney. Snoop Martin Dogg. Short. Snoop Dogg. There's so, so, so many great people in this movie. And a couple of them really take advantage. Chloe Moretz is Wednesday Adams. And... Uh, this is going to seem like a weird thing to say, but this is this is her best performance in years. <laughs> she's just nails it. She's more than deadpan. I mean, her delivery is so emotionless. It's utterly well, perfect Wednesday, for this role. Since the very beginning, Wednesday is such a great character. Yes, agreed. I, she's so great. I feel bad for Pugsley. All, yeah. Going all the way back to the first TV mm-hmm, series. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody wanted to see Pugsley. Nobody wanted to see Pugsley. Wednesday was so great yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. And it's yeah, and she just nails it. She does. And then her her polar opposite is Allison Janney, who plays the the nemesis, right? She has a home improvement TV show and she she just desperately needs to get rid of that eyesore Adam's family <laughs> mansion because it's just ruining the view. Right. Alice Jenny, who is a genius anyway. Oh, she's she, great. She takes great advantage, and, and, and every scene that pits her against Wednesday Adams is hysterical. The rest of the cast, I think, you know, struggles a little bit. They don't really make a huge mark, but that's not really what I think the problem is. There's a lot, a lot going on. It's just none of it's that interesting. There are even a couple of pretty funny gags, but on the whole, the movie is just pretty bland. Yeah, and it's caught, you you mentioned this earlier, it seems caught in between areas or certain demos that it might have been aimed at. Um, I think the, the younger, younger kids will probably be bored. I do, too. The older, older kids and the adults might think, oh, it's cute enough, but it's not that funny. So you've maybe got a target, a small target of tweens, maybe. Right, exactly. Which, I mean, the the film, I suppose, embraces that because it, it is definitely a story about... The two children about, you know, the, the pre-adolescent children. And so I, I feel like the, the tween audience is the one that they speak to. And, and uh, Wednesday is definitely the most interesting character in the film. And it, it does have some funny bits. They just can't sustain it. 
It's got that message that it's going to hammer home about being true to yourself, and it's okay to be different. Yep. Which, you know, I mean, that's that's been the Adams family's yeah. really plum the whole time. Nobody is better at embracing outsider culture. I mean, they... They're always baffled by people's response to them. They're just so comfortable and confident in who they are. I mean, right. I could not love the Adams family because more than I do. One of the added uh, the added aspects to that regard is the fact that they end up. There's another plot turn that ends up having them welcome a lot more Adamses into the house. Yeah, Pugsley's sort of coming of age ritual, which has to do with some sword fighting. That's uh, it's going to happen on the same day as the home improvement woman's. Season finale. So all of these Adamses come to town just wreaking havoc here and there. Um, but even that is just an opportunity for for Gomez to not try to make Pugsley conform to right. the Adams way, but yeah. appreciate him for who he is. I mean, they, you know that. And it's a good message, obviously, especially for tweens. It's a yeah. very good message. Be true to yourself and, and don't try to fit in. I mean, the, the movie delivers it so often in so many different ways, it, it, you just think to yourself, I, I just feel like they could have done more. You know, and it's a good reminder to parents, uh, maybe soon-to-be parents that are expecting, the name Gomez oh, yeah. could really use a, a resurgence, don't I'm you think? I'm with you. I do what think so. What if you so. just saw a little kid and you oh, what's his name? Gomez. Oh, my God. Wouldn't you just fall about the place? I would fall about the place. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Can't Go. believe we missed out on that opportunity. <laughs> Gomez. Gomez. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but, the, yeah, it, in the end, it seems like something that everybody feels like we should have an animated film of the Adams family, mm-hmm. so let's make one, and let's because everybody likes it, but we're, it doesn't really go for anything more satisfying than that. Well, and you know, <laughs> you always go back to that old Flintstones problem that you have with the Flintstones movies, and I know the the Charles Adams cartoons they're single panel, so it's not as if you could you could mine that for a full. But I do think that we could go back to it a little more. I feel like you you don't need to just use those characters and then try to modernize it quite so much. I mm-hmm. mean, he was a genius in those those cartoons that yeah. started everything. They are still genius. And I feel like maybe can't we go there for the story at all? By the way, in case I didn't tell each and every one of you, I took a Flintstones uh, trivia <laughs> Trivia quiz recently online, and I got 31 out of 32. So uh, I'm glad I just, you took you advantage. You gave me the opening. That's right. Otherwise, he was going to come to your door and just knock. <laughs> but that's a good point because we've all we've we say it all the time about every movie. It starts with the writing. It does. So maybe you could have taken a, an idea from a panel yeah. or an idea from a plot of one of the old TV shows mm-hmm. or something. Uh, but even if you don't, what you come up with has to be more satisfying than just oh. That's cute enough, Mm -hmm. okay, and that's really all that the Adams Family ends up being. Well, continuing the theme so far this week, we've got a comedy about what can happen when you love your phone more than anything else in your life. It's Jexy. The future of smartphones has arrived. Introducing a different kind of digital assistant. Mm, it's not so new. We use Mm. the latest technology to bring you something extraordinary. Hello, my name is Jexy, and I am here to make your life better. Oh, look at that. That's cool. I will need the passwords to all of your accounts. One, two, three, four, five, six. Stupid. Huh? How can I help you? Let's get dinner. You look like you could use a salad, Phil. What kind of phone is this? Phil, you have zero friends. Take a chance and try something new. She is so cute. I heard you say, call Kate Finnegan. No, I did not. Bye, shop. This Kate. Hang up the phone, Jexy. Hello? 
Hi. Hey, are you ready to go? Yeah, let's go. Oh, would you mind not bringing your phone? Who this bitch? You can buy a thousand new phones and I will follow you on to every single one of them. I'm done. Yeah, so far, this is uh, three for three on, okay. It's about all this film can muster. It had something. It might have gone somewhere, but it just hammers home the same very, very obvious point. Yeah, it's a very natural place to take the preponderance of phones mm-hmm. in our culture. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go to horror movies, we've seen for decades, we've oh, seen yeah. horror movies about the takeover of technology, mm-hmm. whatever technology it might have been mm-hmm. in whatever time you're living in. So here, of course, it's phones. And there's certainly fertile ground yeah. to make a comedy out right. of it. But it doesn't have to be this forced. Oh, I know. It's You know, and it's too bad because Adam Devine stars... And he he's, he, you know, it's it's kind of a riff on his regular, you know, fool. But he's very likable in this movie. And Rose Byrne plays the voice of Jexy. And she's great. She's always funny. She is. She's, she's so funny. She's, I think she's still underrated yeah. as a comedic performer. I think you're right. You look at the comedy she's been in. Not that she's she's a bad dramatic actress no. either. But man, she can be a comedy MVP yeah, to, to a movie. She really can. Agreed. It's just one of those films that... Just says the same thing and then says it again and then says it again and then says it again. Like, we get it. You know, he lives in uh, San Francisco and until his phone breaks, he never noticed that the bridge was right there. I mean, it's just a little more than heavy handed. Uh, You know, so he buys this new phone and the A.I. promises to make his life better. And of course, it completely destroys his life, which means that it does make his life better. (laughs) Yeah, but these themes that we're so used to now, I mean, even as we stare at our phones all day, we realize we're, we stare at our phones too much. And we've been told over and over that it, it cuts down on real communication. It only drives us farther apart. We've gotten all that. We've gotten all that many times. Yeah. So just saying it over and over, you're, you're not saying anything new. No. And if, if you're going to do that... At least make it more funny than it is here. Yeah, you're exactly right. And there are, you know, there are a couple of funny bits, but definitely not enough to sustain the film. And it's uh, Alexandra Shipp plays his girlfriend, Mm -hmm. who is sort of a cliched character as well, because, of course, she's not into the phones. She's into working and and owning a brick and mortar store and eschews that all of that lifestyle. Yeah, she's uh, and I mean, the store itself sells and restores bicycles. So even that, I mean, and and under spare time, of course, she's out mountain biking. (laughs) And, um, you know, she's the opposite of him in every way and also clearly out of his league. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. And this was written by uh, and directed writers, directors, John Lucas and Scott Moore. Now, the big entry in their resume is the original Hangover, which which is still which they wrote. You're right. Uh, That's still one of the funniest comedies I've ever seen. But since then, man. They've uh, they've struggled a little bit. Not, they have. O- not only Bad Moms, but Bad Moms Christmas, which is one of the worst comedies I've seen in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Just terrible. This is certainly not as bad as that. No. But uh, man, they uh, they need to get back to uh, being more funny. <laughs> well, things get better this week as we turn to a couple foreign films. First up, on a faraway mountaintop, eight kids with guns watch over a hostage and a conscripted milk cow. It's called Manos. This 
this is just like a master class in visual storytelling. Yeah, and and sound design and oh, score too, yeah. because it's so technically well done. It is that the sparse dialogue. There's not a lot of it. No. And they don't really need it no. to uh, to tell this story. It's it's one I had been looking forward to since seeing the trailer. And it's writer, uh, it's director and co-writer Alejandro Landis. And it's only his second narrative feature. He did one documentary and then another feature and now this. And, uh, boy, it looks really, really assured uh, about its tone. And it's a it's a very interesting story. You've got these eight child soldiers. Mm-hmm. They're, they're holding a hostage. And then all of a sudden they're... Their leader, I guess, he's called the messenger. He mm-hmm. comes by every now and then with orders, and then he helps train them and gives them guidance on things. He gives them that they, tells them they have to look over this uh, milk cow that's mm-hmm. on loan, and um, then he, he he also gives them kind of ambiguous direction about this ambiguous mission that they're on right. from, from the organization. And uh, everybody's got names like Bigfoot and Boom Boom and uh, Rambo mm-hmm. and things Wolf. like that. Wolf, Wolfie, yeah. And he's the old man of the group because he turns 15. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're, they're holding this, all she's called is Doctora, mm-hmm. the hostage, played by Julianne Nicholson. Somebody makes a bad decision. Let's put it that way. One of the kids makes a bad decision, and then that just sets things. That's the catalyst mm-hmm. for a series of events that end up people coming down from the mountaintop. You're in the jungle. The Doctora f- has clever ideas about maybe how to escape. She also has some uh, sympathy for some of the captors, which because may children. come back to haunt her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it becomes a very thrilling. Often, I, I mean, I was holding my breath a couple times. Yeah. Tense, mm-hmm. uh, with with an incredible with incredible atmospherics, like you said, and visual storytelling, and the score, the sound design. But the the main thing is how it doesn't let you get comfortable with what you think you know. No, it's really true because, I mean, they don't spoon-feed you anything. And it's so much more kind of about the shifting balance of power than it is, and and then about the unpredictability of children, Mm -hmm. you know, than it is a a traditionally structured story. I mean, it it breaks many, many of the sort of standard rules of cinema, Right. but uh, good for it. Good for this movie, because you, it's like you said, you're just breathlessly following along the whole time. Because often you're never quite sure, whose story is this? Right. And that keeps you off balance, and it has something to say about morality and the, the shifting... Uh, sands of morality in the face of survival instinct and, yeah, alienation of children. Mm-hmm. It's really a, a very fascinating, it fascinating is. experience. And even when it gets probably the, the final, final shot mm-hmm. has some, maybe the most direct line of dialogue in the film. But even that doesn't go overboard in its heavy-handedness. No. It's just enough to to get you to think about what you just saw. Yeah. And I thought, boy, if it's if it's in your area, especially on a big screen, right. to get the full effect, I thought it was just, just enthralling. And that's called Monos. Oh, next up, another one we've been waiting on for a while. We love this filmmaker. It's a young boxer and a call girl caught up in a drug smuggling scheme over the course of one night in Tokyo. Latest from Takashi Miike, First Love. George, who can do anything? Takashi Miike. Correct. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Um, uh, you know, he's made. This has got to be his. He's, he's over a hundred films. He's over a hundred films now. Yeah, and they're not all great. No. They aren't. No. 
but they are all. I mean, they're all reason to be excited every time. Right. right. Every time you he puts out an, see what wait. he's doing. Yeah. There are musicians like that. There right. are artists like that. Any sort of creative person, they're not always going to nail it, but you always want to see yeah. and, and and be hip to what they're doing. Because the, because the the direction that he takes things. First of all, they all seem to have a Takashi Miike thumbprint on them, and then second of all, you can never figure out where they're going to go. <laughs> like there are so few people who can stage action sequences with sort of the the beauty, the glory, and the absurdity that he can manage. And my favorite, some of my favorite Miike films um, are they're they're not comedies. But they're silly. And absurd. Yes. There's uh, some absurdities in there because he can, another thing he can do so well is shift tones on a dime. On a dime. And make it work yeah. somehow. That's hard to do. Yeah. I mean, he, yes. It's, it's amazing. So this film, yeah, it's, uh, there's a boxer, kind of a, kind of a forlorn, lonesome boxer, and he just falls headlong into the middle of uh, gang war, uh, Japanese Yakuza versus the Chinese mafia, and he's trying to help this prostitute who is in the middle of all of it. And so it's just an excuse, really, for there to be, you know, every conceivable battle, sword fighting, <laughs> gunfighting, fisticuffs, just dismemberment, blood spray, everything that you could ever want to see in a Miike movie, obviously. Um, yeah, and he does a lot with the Yakuza in yes, a lot of his films. But, uh, yeah, this one has just to find another angle to get into it and just go nuts. And one of the things that I actually uh, I really found interesting about this film is that the, the members of the Yakuza, are, they're talking about how basically their profession, they think, is kind of coming to an end. Like, the, the way it's changing is going to be so unlike anything that they've done, ever done before, they're not sure if they can stick it out. Which made me feel like that's almost the voice of a filmmaker. You know, you we hear this a lot. It, directors are saying that, you know, the, the way film is going, they don't even know. It's that the sand is shifting. And, and then I just felt like then by the end, Mike is going, not for me, bitches. Like, <laughs> I can do anything. You want anime? Bam, anime. You know, it's just crazy. <laughs> Because, again, you know, he can do anything. So if you can't tell, big recommendation for <laughs> First Love. Let's head out to sea next for the story of a family looking to start a charter boat business, buying a ship that holds terrifying secrets once out on isolated waters. It's Gary Oldman starring in Mary. Every time this ship went out onto open water, people disappeared. The thing about boats is there's nowhere to run. <laughs> We should turn back. We're too far to turn back. You think you can erase the past? I don't want to hear any more about curses. Oh, my God. You thought you could bring your family to the sea. No! You and everything you love. No! It all belongs to her now. Mary! Is it just me, or every time you see a movie and Gary Oldman's in it, you're like, oh, I want to see this because Gary Oldman's in it. And then 10 minutes into the movie, you suddenly remember 18 bad Gary Oldman <laughs> movies. Because he's so good, but he's not choosy. Right, right. Well, it's, you know, he's not the only one. <laughs> there's, no, there's a few actors yeah. that, are, that are like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, this one just, uh, just misfires from the start. It really does. And also Emily Mortimer is in this. She plays his character's wife, and he buys a ship at a police auction that's just sort of run aground with no crew. There's nothing creepy about that. I mean, unless you've ever, I don't know, watched a Dracula movie. And uh, and he buys it, and they, they, reef, they fix it up, 
and they take it on its first tour the, as just a family and then a couple of boat hands, and they go to the Bermuda Triangle, George. What? What? <laughs> what? This is uh, was written by Anthony Jaswinski, who did The Vanishing on 7th Street Bad. Yeah. But he also did The Shallows, which was yeah. surprisingly surprisingly good for a Sharkin movie. And the, the director did Megan is Missing, which I know you like better than I do. Yeah, it's Michael Goy mm-hmm. did Megan is Missing. That's That can be a polarizing movie, but uh, yeah, I like it a little better than you did anyway. We didn't expect it to be this bad. It because that's really what it is. It's a, it's like a made for TV movie with crazy talent in it. Because both, I mean, Emily Mortimer is a, is a very very good actor, and of course Gary Oldman, Oscar winner Gary Oldman, who should have probably more than one by this point in his career. They're both so good, and there is nothing about this script that should have compelled either of them exactly. to take the job. It's so bland. It does. It, it is part of it is that they explain to you everything that they haven't figured out how to show you in the course of the narrative with one of the laziest cliches, and it's that interrogation room, you know, flashback. This is telling you the story. Mm -hmm. But even that doesn't make any sense. No part of this really, it doesn't fit together. And then you finally get the CGI of, and it's so bad. (laughs) It's just... yeah. Oh, my God. Top to bottom. Just such a disappointment, this film. And definitely. And it's one of those almost like, remember that uh, the snowman with Michael Fassbender? Yeah. We go, what happened here? Did they just decide to just take chunks of the script out? Yes. Or just edit, just take a hatchet to the to the film and just edit this thing just to get it out? Because so much of it is just nonsensical. Um, and not much there for Mary. Let's end on a higher note, though. A washed-up musician teams up with a teacher and a kid's show personality to protect young children from a sudden outbreak of zombies. Little monsters. Lieutenant, sir, why are we here? It's zombies again. Fast ones or slow ones, sir? Slow. Thank God they're slow. I want you all in the line in front of me, and away we go. Why are we stopping? Must be something in the way. What is it, Miss Caroline? Who remembers how to play tag? Well, those funny-looking people out there are it. Are we gonna die, Miss Caroline? No. It's part of the game. The zombies are not real. But fuck, they're not! It is a bit scary. What are we doing when we're scared? What's the song we can sing? If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Teddy McGiggles. What do I what do I keep calling him? <laughs> Mr. Tiddlywinks. After we saw this movie, I couldn't remember his name. I kept calling him Mr. Tiddlywinks. You know, this is not going to win any Oscars. It's not the greatest movie ever, but it's fun. It's so fun. And and two-thirds, at least, of the credit goes to uh, the always amazing Lupita Nyong'o. She's the kindergarten teacher, Miss Caroline. And what I love about... I love everything about this character. But what I think the, the heart of the story is, is that she recognizes that her job... Her one job is to keep these children safe. That's right. that's her job. And damn it, darn it, that's what she's going to do. <laughs> yeah, because they have a field trip out to this petting zoo, uh, now with mini golf. <laughs> and uh, she gets kind of an added chaperone she didn't expect in the form of Dave, the slacker guy who's, who only wants to chaperone because she's hot. Right. Uh, so he comes along. And then the zombie outbreak hits and the the entertainment, the kids' entertainment, Teddy McGiggles. Played by Josh Gad, who's great. Yes, uh, at the uh, at the petting zoo. 
he uh, you see a different side of him. <laughs> it's not childlike at all. No, no. <laughs> as they have to start running from these zombies. And it, it takes on a, what did we say? It was a kind of a mix of Life is Beautiful meets... Cooties. Meets cooties because she decides, Miss Caroline decides, the best way to do this for the kids is just to pretend this whole zombie thing is just a game. Yeah. We're just playing a game like here. Like those zombie video games right. that, you but, know, but that at the, same time, the kids she, are probably not allowed to play. She turns around and then gets a shovel and starts uh, hacking at them. Right. And she's got a ukulele yeah. the whole time. And she plays a lot of Taylor, Taylor Swift, Swift on the ukulele. Yeah. And then you see all these little five-year-olds singing yeah. along. I mean, the, it is so, the movie is so adorable. But don't kid yourself. I mean, there's a there's a lot of disemboweling happening yeah. here. There's, you know, it's, it's pretty gory, especially when Teddy Begiggles sort of has his, you know, <laughs> fantasy sequence on the playground with all of these zombie children. You're like, yeesh, yeah. that was... Uh, that was kind of mean. Yeah, and it's funny. It's it's not Shaun of the Dead as far as zombie no, horror comedies no. go, but it, it really is so likable yeah. and charming and, and funny enough. So we had a good time with Little Monsters, and that takes us to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Big week. Oh, my. Look at what's coming out this week. This is... Whew, this is solid. Well, how many times can we tell you that Toy Story 4 is just impeccable? <laughs> um, you know, it's, we've talked about it when it first came out. We've talked about it several times. This is just a capper on one of, if not the best franchises in, in film. It's yeah. just so great. It was. We never thought number four would be this good because we didn't want him to make number four. We, we loved number not. three so much. It's it's hilarious. It's heartfelt. It takes it in a new direction. We just loved it. We did. So if you haven't seen it, what on earth is wrong with you? Easy as that. Also, Midsummer comes out. Loved it. Uh, loved, loved it. Loved it. Midsummer. Now there's a bit of a uh, bit of a twist here because we have been recommending the director's cut. Yes. But from what I understand, right now anyway, the director's cut is only available on one of those region all region. Blu-rays, which mm. you have to have the right kind of player oh. to do the read. That's, I think that's, at least today, when we're recording this, that's what I understand, if you want to get the director's cut on, on Blu-ray. But uh, we would recommend the director's cut, especially if you've already seen it and liked it. We think right. it, it gives it a just a deeper experience with the characters. Mm-hmm. But uh, really liked Midsummer. Yeah, really I mean, did. if you can't get the director's cut, don't miss out yeah. on the opportunity to see to see Midsummer. Exactly right. Love that one. Annabelle comes home ended up being better than well, it's it's the best of the franchise. Yeah, of the just Annabelle yes. franchise. Yes, yes. agreed. Yes. Because it it's just like a it's a spook house. It's PG thirteen. It it knows what it's doing. It does it pretty well. It's fun. Yeah, we both thought. It, yeah, we were both impressed by it, and we liked it better than we thought we were going to. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. and that has nothing to do with the fact that we got our picture taken with Annabelle. <laughs> Not at all. Also out on home video this week, one we just talked about last week, mm-hmm. documentary called "Memory: The Origin of Alien." Boy, a deep, deep dive into not only the origins of how this movie got made, but its significance and why it works so well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you like the film Alien, I can't imagine that you would not like this documentary. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. So good stuff in, in the lobby and a couple, two or three good things uh, in uh, new in theaters this week as well. So next week we look forward to, well, three, three pretty big ones, two and a half, and I think that half is the one we're looking, to, looking forward to the most. You've got Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, Coming out. Also, Zombieland 2. Double tap. Double tap. I've seen some people on social media just slamming the trailer. I don't think the trailer's that bad. No. I, I really don't. We're both but looking forward to that movie. We are. But Not as much as 
The Lighthouse. Why'd you spill your beans? Ah, the latest from um, the director, the filmmaker behind The Witch, Robert Mm. Eggers, and it stars Robert Pattinson, who we've said before has long ago proved to us that he is a talent. Yes, and Willem Dafoe, who's always welcome, especially as a creepy guy. Yeah, but Robert Pattinson had a tougher road to hoe coming out of the twilight, but he is good and really looking forward to The Lighthouse, so all three of those should be good. To talk about next week. Until then, let you know, let us know what you thought about any of these this week. Uh, easy thing to do is find us on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf. That's M A D D W O L F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews to these movies and also fun stuff like our horror movie only podcast, Fright Club. You can find all that at MadWolf.com. So we always appreciate you stopping by. And wherever you happen to be listening, if you would take a second to subscribe, rate, and review, we would appreciate it. Thank you so much. Until next week, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.